0: Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. Good morning, Woodside. My name is Abraham Phillip, and it's a delight and a pleasure to be here this morning and to open God's Word with you. A woman went to a pet store, because she was lonely and so she bought a parrot, figured she needed somebody to keep her company, and she she took the parrot in her cage home and set it on the window and expected the parrot to talk. The next day she goes back to the store owner, frustrated and said, the parrot doesn't talk. And the pet owner said, well, I'm I'm sorry, Did, did you get a mirror? You know, parrots like to look at themselves in the mirror and when they see themselves, they'll get excited and they'll they'll talk up a storm did you get a mirror no i didn't, i didn't get a mirror so she purchases a mirror and, and she goes home she puts the mirror in the cage the next day she goes back to the pet owner pet store owner and said the, the parrot still doesn't talk oh i see did you get a ladder you see parrots like to walk up and down and 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 they they it makes them happy when they're walking up and down the ladder so when they get happy they'll talk did you get a ladder so she buys a ladder. She takes it home. She puts it in the cage. The parrot still doesn't talk. She goes, the next day, the parrot's still not talking. And she says, help, you got to do something. And he goes, I-, I know what it is. Did you get a swing? A swing? Yeah, see, the parrots, you know, it's probably stressed. And it's a new house. It's a new person. The parrot wants to get on a swing. It'll relax them. And then they'll tuck up a storm. So, so she reluctantly, she buys the swing. She takes it home. She puts it in. The next day, she comes back, her whole countenance has changed, and she looks at the store owner and and says, the parrot's dead. And and the pet pet store owner's like, he's shocked. He's like, I'm so, so sorry. What happened? Did did the parrot say anything? Yeah, right before it died, it looked at me and said, doesn't that pet store sell any food? Isn't it interesting that with all of the lights and all of the glamor and all the glitz and all the toys and all of the stuff, that sometimes we forget what our real priorities are? That we forget and we focus on all the wrong things because all the wrong things look so much better. But when everything is stripped away, like this season we're living in, as COVID has forced us into our homes and taken all of this stuff that we were so used to out of our lives, We're left with a few essential priorities in life. It's true for me. I hope it's true for you. That in this season, that which is true, that which is important, that which is and should be our priorities, have risen to the surface, and we've realized that which we have missed all of this time. There's always a silver lining in everything, isn't there? And I hope this season you find yourself in that we will really understand our true priorities, Do you realize that it's the things that we set our minds on, the things that we meditate on, the things that we delight in, those are our true priorities. That's what we prioritize because that's what we delight in. And this morning, we're going to start a new series. It's called Assembly Required, and we're going to focus on a few priorities, especially the priority about us gathering together as a church and what we should do when we gather together. Whether we're here in person or we're watching online, what is it that we as a church body should be focused on and what should we prioritize and what should be the emphasis? We're going to go back and use the book of Psalms to help us uncover those things that are vitally important. Now, I'm so glad you are here. There are many of us who couldn't come here for whatever reason and we're thankful that you're joining us by video, by electronic device. But wherever you find yourself, Let's pray that this series helps us to understand the heart of God as it relates to the church and how we as the body of believers can prioritize that which is closest and dearest to the heart of God. We've read Psalm number one. In fact, we're going to start in Psalm number one. I'm not going to read it for you, but in Psalm number one, we start with a set of priorities. Now, just let me start by saying the word psalm, if you're new to the church, the word psalm means song, And so what we have in the Bible are 150 songs. These are, if you could summarize it, is probably the 150 greatest hits of the Jewish culture. That's what you have in your Bibles, 150 of the greatest hits. And as we go through some of them, we won't go through all of them. We're going to see the priorities that God has for us as we live in this world as the body of believers. And so these psalms or these songs are things that are used to worship God. And these are songs that can also be used as a language of prayer that we can pray back to the Father in our times of need, in our times of joy, in our times of sickness, in our times of prosperity, in any and every season. We can sing and pray these songs back to God. But while these songs may lend themselves to doing that individually, they are meant to be done collectively. They are meant to be done in community. And that's what we hope to unpack and share with you over the next few weeks. But as we find ourselves in Psalm number one, we start with this gem of a psalm, that once we understand this psalm, and we understand the emphasis of this psalm, and the pace that it sets, and the message that this psalm brings to us, we will understand how to unpack the rest of the psalms that are in the book. And as I try to overcome the sound of thunder, Um, What I want to communicate to you this morning from Psalm number one is that when we gather together, when we gather together as the body of Christ, whether long distance or here in person, we gather to delight in God's word. We gather to delight in God's word. I want to share with you three benefits that we receive when we gather together to delight in God's word. And the first is that the word brings blessing. The word brings brings blessing I was reminded that we have children in our service and we're so glad children that you are here with us you have if you have a uh, sheet of paper in front of you that has all of the blanks you're welcome to fill that out if I go too fast ask your mom or dad they'll help translate what I've said much better probably than I can do it um, but uh, try to follow along and we're okay if you want to jump up and scream and holler you're welcome to come up and join me okay uh, that was for the kids not for any of you adults all right But if you adults want to take it and color it, it's okay too. We won't won't say anything bad about you either. But the first one is the word brings blessing. Let me read the first two verses of Psalm number one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's interesting that the very, very first word of this psalm, the very first word of this psalm is the word what? Not rainstorm. It's blessed. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the uh, of the ungodly, nor sits in the stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. Blessed. Now you've been in church long enough. If I were to take a poll of all of you and ask you what does the word blessed mean, I think every one of you would give me a different meaning oh yeah, we're blessed. I mean, we're Christians. We're children of God. We're blessed. We're just blessed people, aren't we? Amen? Amen. Well, what does it mean? The word blessed here means happy. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. I thought we, we were Christians. We're not happy. Aren't we supposed to be joyful? Like happy? I, well, you know, the truth is the Bible uses happy and joyful almost interchangeably. But happy isn't quite the way that you think of or what my children think of. When my children want to be happy, they want me to say yes to everything that they ask for and no to none of it. That makes them happy. But that's not happy. You see, happiness like that is based on circumstances. The happiness in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the Christian life is not based on circumstances. This word happy has the idea of being fulfilled, of being satisfied. And so what the psalmist here begins with is happy is the man or happy is the woman who does or doesn't do certain things. And if you notice in verse number one, it's a comparison of what a happy person does not do. Verse two is the example of what a person does do. So let's look at the negative. A happy person does not do what? It does, there's three things there. Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, and it doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffers. So standing, or sorry, walking in the counsel of the wicked refers to the things that a person listens to. If you listen to the wicked counsel of this world, then you are walking in the counsel of the wicked. That's what walking in the counsel of the wicked means. You're listening to, you're taking advice from this world and the wicked those whose heart is not aligned with God. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. The second example there is to stand in the way of sinners. Now, standing in the way doesn't mean that you're standing on the, in the path and blocking somebody's path. It means... What you are doing, it's talking about your behavior. When you are standing in the way of sinners, it means that's what you're doing. Not only have you listened to the advice of the wicked, now you're implementing that advice. Now you're doing what they have told you to do. And the last example he gives us in Psalm 1 is not sitting in the seat of scoffers. So you first listen to the advice, then you start doing the advice. But sitting has to do with identity. You see, in the Jewish culture, where you sat depended on who you were. You sat according to your rank or your social position or what you did. So sitting in the seat of the scoffer means now you're identifying with the wicked and you're sneering at everyone who doesn't listen or do the things you do. Walking, standing, sitting. It's a progression. And it's a progression that's a trap because it's a downward spiral that sucks you down so deep that you can't get out of it. That's what a unhappy person is like. Now you notice a happy person doesn't do any of this stuff. What does a happy person do? It's found in verse number two. Now you would expect because you're all really smart in the Bible, you've been here for decades and you've studied your Bible, you know that in Psalms that the first verse or the first line gets a parallel in the second line or the second verse, right? The second line enhances or adds to our understanding of the first. And so you would expect verse 2 to say something like this, but the happy man walks in the way of the righteous, stands in the way of the the godly, and sits in the seat of the saints. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. By the way, if you're trying to talk to me, I can't hear you, so you're going to have to do head gestures, okay? (laughs) Work with me here. It doesn't say that. It says, but the godly, the righteous, verse 2, his delight, the happy person, his delight, is in the law of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like a parallel to me. That looks different. You see, the psalmist has taken a left turn to capture your attention and mine. He's creating a discord in the verse to point to something important. You see, A person who's not blessed a person who's not happy has filled himself with the words of this world has done what is what that word and this world and the wicked have told him so you're listening and are surrounded by the world and the advice of this world but a blessed man a happy man surrounds himself and fills himself with what the word of God you see the parallel there is a parallel No longer are we listening to the world, we're listening to the Word. No no longer are we doing the advice the world gave us, we're doing the advice that the Word gives us. You see the parallel? Happy is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Now you're looking at me and I know what you're asking. What's the word delight mean? I'm I'm so glad you asked. This is the best way I can explain it. When when my children were little, and, and we have children here, when your parents tell you we're going to the ice cream store who's interested three four five six uh, seven of you we'll pray for the rest of you and if you're lactose intolerant I'm sure there's some soy or coconut or something we'll find something for you but when my children were smaller much much smaller they're all too old and sophisticated for this if they're watching I'm sorry I'm using you <clears throat> When I told them we were going to the ice cream store, their eyes would get big as saucers and their mouths, you could tell that they were slobbering because, well, you could see it. Because in their minds, they're picking out the ice cream and their mouth is watering because they can almost taste it. And we get to the ice cream store and they want a big scoop in a cone. I want them to get a small scoop in a bowl. And so we have to compromise. So we say, okay, can I get a small scoop in a cone? Now, I'm not sure these people know what a small scoop looks like because these guys, you know, they take the, the thing and they bring this big ball of ice cream and they stick it on this cone. I'm like, I asked for a small scoop. Here it is. And my kids, they love it. They go to town, they lick it, they, and then you go outside and the weather's hot it starts to melt and it melts down that cone and all over their hands and then all over their face and all over their shirt. Mothers, you know what I'm talking about. They're loving that ice cream. Do they care that it's all over their hands and all over their shirt and all over their face? What's the answer? No, because they're delighting in the ice cream. That's delight. Blessed is the man Who or woman who delights not in ice cream but in the Word of God? Blessed is the man or woman who delights in the Word of God. That's what delight looks like. And so, if I asked you this morning, when you read the Word of God, is it more of a duty or a chore? Or something to check off of your spiritual checklist? Or do you read the scriptures because you delight in it? You soak in it. You want it all over your face and your shirt and you don't care because it's the word of God. It's the love letter of a God who loves us and wants us to know who he is. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Satisfied is the man or woman who delights in the Word of God. By the way, there's a second part to this delight. The psalmist, in the end of verse number 2, goes on to tell us that a happy person who delights in the Word of God meditates on the Word day and night. Meditates on it day and night. Now, if I asked you, what does meditation look like? If, if I had to ask you what the world defines meditation as, the world would tell you that when you meditate, you hum something and you're trying to do what with your mind? You're trying to... Clear your mind. You're trying to empty your mind. You're not supposed to think of anything. Can I just tell you, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you meditate, the word meditate here means to continually and constantly fill your mind with the Word of God, to saturate your mind, to think about it like you're chewing gum over and over and over again, sucking all of that flavor and nutrition out of that piece of gum or out of the Word. In your mind, if that's meditation that's meditation now I know you're asking but that doesn't make sense I've got stuff to do I've got places to go how how do I meditate like that and I've been married to my wife for 22 years feels like yesterday when I married her she's right there but we did things backwards 22 years ago is a long time I know some of you are here back when the dinosaurs were here but just after the dinosaurs we got married And we did things backwards. We got married first and we dated second. She was still in India. I was here. She was going to school, finishing up before she came. And back then we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have WhatsApp, we didn't have FaceTime. We had, I think we still had the rotary dial phone. We didn't have an international plan. Phone calls cost a fortune. And so you know what we did? We wrote those old things called letters. I've never written a letter in my life till I met her. But I wasn't the first one who wrote, she wrote. And I remember receiving this envelope, it was thick, it was stamps all over the front of this thing, and I didn't realize why until I opened it and a book fell out. Eight pages, eight pages of letters, I mean, wow, I didn't know you could write that much. But I read every word, I read every word, I devoured her letters. In fact, most of the time I was walking around in a daze and if you asked me what I was thinking about, guess what? I was thinking about that letter. You see, she had wrapped all of her love and all of her emotions and all of her thoughts into words. And I read it and I devoured it. And guess what I was doing? I was delighting and meditating on her letter. Friends, this is God's love letter to you. Do you do that with this letter? 66 letters of books in here written for you to understand the heart of an awesome God who loves us and cares for us and wants us to know who he is, who's written his thoughts and his emotions and his love for us in here. Do we saturate ourselves with his word? If I can do that with her letters, how much more should I be doing that with God's love letter to me? God's word brings blessing. When you leave from this service this morning or when you turn off Facebook or Spotify or whatever means you're using to watch this service and you go about the rest of your day, what will you be thinking about? I know perhaps you'll be thinking about where you're going to get lunch or what you have in your fridge or what you're doing next or where you're going on vacation or, or whatever it is that fills your mind. But can I challenge you that when you leave this service that you remember these words, blessed is the man or woman who delights in the law of the Lord. Let it saturate you. Let it captivate you. Let it shake you to your core so that you can understand the extent of God's love for you. God's word brings blessing. The second blessing or benefit we find when we gather together to delight in God's word is that the word brings fruitfulness. Notice verse number three. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You notice that a blessed person, a person who is delighting in God's word, who saturated himself or herself with the word of God, who meditates and delights in his word, is compared to a tree planted by streams of water. And the verse here in three, verse 3 says that that kind of a person is both fruitful and durable. Did you notice? It's fruitful. Now, the psalmist here says that there are seasons for this tree. Did you notice that? That the tree planted by streams of water yields its fruit in its season. Meaning that in every season it finds itself, there's fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I would prefer sunshine, 80s, not a cloud in the sky, and once in a while we'll take the rain, but at night. Anybody? Okay, the rest of you, either you're not paying attention or you want winter and you want ski. This skin color doesn't do well on skis. All right? 80s, sunshine, you got me. I'm there. But the truth is, winter comes. Dark days come. Thunder comes. Gloom comes. As hard as we wish, the seasons of pain and hardship don't come. They do. But the verse says that if you're a tree planted by streams of water, even in times of drought, there will be fruit. Tim Keller, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, says it this way. No amount of money... Power and planning can prevent bereavement, dire illness, relational betrayal, financial disaster, or a host of other problems from entering your life. Human life is fatally fragile and subject to forces beyond our power to manage. Life is tragic. Gee, thank you, Tim. That's a great, encouraging word. But you see, he's not finished. He goes on to say, so, suffering is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It is not only the way Christ became like and redeemed us, but it is one of the main ways we become like Him and experience His redemption. And that means that our suffering, despite its painfulness, is also filled with purpose and usefulness. Did you catch that? Suffering isn't an accident. The dry spells, the drought, the winds, the storms, the headaches, the heartaches, they're not accidents. Do you realize that when it's raining and when there's plenty of water, the roots never have to go deep? The roots of a tree only go deep when you have what? Drought. And so it's in seasons of drought that your roots go deep into the rock of Jesus Christ. And it's in those seasons that you learn the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God for you. Amen? That's what happens. When it's dry, it's not all bad because even then, when everything else is stripped away and all you have left is Jesus, you realize that Jesus is all you ever needed. The word brings uh, fruitfulness. You're like a tree planted by streams of water. Did you notice that our leaf does not wither? doesn't matter what the seasons may be doesn't matter how much headache and heartache there is. Our leaf will not wither. And in every season there is fruit. But you have to delight and meditate in His Word. It only applies to a happy person. A blessed person. A person who takes delight in the Word of God. At the end of verse 3, the psalmist here tells us that the happy man or woman is not only fruitful and durable, but successful. Did you notice that? In everything he does, he what? Prosperous. i'm like sign me up like where do i go to that do that i want everything i do right what does the word tell us if you if you do this prosperity means healthy and wealthy and wise and like everything is perfect i got lots of money in the bank account i've got lots of cars and homes and kids perfect maybe maybe not right like that's the level of prosperity the world tells us but the bible teaches a different kind of prosperity the bible says that you're prosperous When you are faithful and fruitful in every season. That's when you're prosperous. You see, when you're planted by streams of water and your roots run deep, not only will your leaf not wither, but faithfulness and fruitfulness become who you are. And you get to share that fruit with everyone around you. The Word of God brings fruitfulness. By the way, that's why we gather together. We gather together, whether at home or here, To hear the word of God preached and to listen to it explained. Because the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so as you're listening to me, faith is blossoming in your heart. As the word of God saturates your heart and your mind, as you listen to the word, faith is growing. That's a blessed person. And so we gather to delight in God's word. The third benefit we find in verses 4 through 6 is that the word brings salvation. Notice, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the righteous man was rooted, fruitful, strong, But the wicked are not so. Did you notice that in the beginning of verse 4? While the righteous man is blessed, happy, delighting, a tree by streams of water, the wicked are not so. While the fruit and the usefulness and the blessing is there for a blessed person, the wicked are not so. The wicked, instead of being compared to a solid tree, is compared to chaff. What's chaff? It's that lightweight husk that surrounds the kernel of wheat. And in the olden days, before they had all of this equipment, they'd harvest the wheat and they'd put it on the floor and they'd bring animals to trample all over that wheat, separating the kernels from the husk, the the chaff. And then they'd use a pitchfork to throw it up and the wind would blow the lightweight chaff away and the heavy grains would fall down. You see, chaff is lifeless, rootless and useless. What a comparison between a happy blessed person and the wicked. And while everything around the wicked person may look prosperous, it may look like everything is going well, the end result is it's lifeless and useless and truly has no comparison to one who is blessed. Blessed is the man who meditates and delights in the word of God. But the wicked are not so, they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Which means that unlike the solid tree, they get blown around wherever the wind goes, or you could say that they are gone with the wind. And in verse 5, the psalmist zooms out and then zooms all the way to the end of eternity there at the brink of eternity, standing before the judgment seat of Christ, the psalmist says there's a distinction made. There's a distinction made between the righteous and the wicked. And you see, the wicked at the end of time won't be able to stand with the righteous. This chaff, this useless, lifeless husk that had everything in this world, perhaps, at the end of time, will end up with nothing. Because the way of the wicked it says at the end of verse 6, will what? Perish. There is no joy. There is no reward. There is no help for the wicked. Because God, it says, knows the way of the righteous. You know what the word know means? Know doesn't just mean an intellectual knowledge. It means an intimate, personal knowledge. I am so thankful that I know God and that more importantly, He knows me. You see, He knew me before the foundation of the world and He died on the cross for my sins and He showed me the depth of my sin and how sinful I was and it drove me to my knees where I repented of my sin and I accepted Jesus as my Savior and the moment I called on His name, I was saved. He knows me. It's not because of any merit on my part, not because I was worthy. There was nothing in me that desired anything, and yet he loved me anyway. He knows me. Karl Barth, the Swiss Reformed theologian, in 1962 was standing in Rockefeller Chapel on the grounds of the University of Chicago. Very famous man at the time. And after a a a speaking engagement that he gave at that center, at that chapel, during a time of Q&A, when a student stood up and said, Mr. Barth, Dr. Barth, can you summarize all of your learnings and all of your knowledge? Can you do it in one sentence? He said, yes, I can. I can. You see, it's a song that I learned at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You see, everything you need and I need for life and godliness, it's found here. Everything I need to know His heart is found in here. The fact that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life is found in here. The fact that if I'm justified with Christ, then I have peace with God, it's found in here. Everything I need to know the heart of God is found in here. This is the place we go. We can stand on that fact because the Bible tells us so. The Word of God brings salvation. May I ask you this morning as you're sitting here, have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you come to the place where you've recognized the depth of your sin and the mess that we have made with our own lives and recognize that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ died for you and for me, that his love was so strong it held him to that cross, bleeding every drop of blood out of his body for you and for me. Why? Because the wages of sin is death and that's what we should have been. We should have been. But he died in our place. He took the penalty. Have you accepted him? The Bible says the moment you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How many of you are glad this morning that God knows you? Praise God. Praise God. God knows the way of the righteous. Whether you're here this morning, you're watching, may I encourage you to surrender your life. To just say, Lord Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. I have sinned and I have come short of your glory. Would you please come into my life and forgive me and save me and take over because I can't do this anymore. And the moment you do that, he'll come in. He'll take up residence in your heart and he will be Lord and Savior and he will know you. Why don't you allow today be the day that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? But friends, if you do know Him and He knows you, praise God for you. But may I ask you, how much delight do you and I have with the Word? Is the love letter of God deep and buried deep in our hearts and our minds, saturating every moment? Or is it something we kind of do once in a while to check something off? May I encourage you to get serious about the Word and serious about the church Serious about hearing and studying and listening and learning and meditating and delighting and wringing every bit of spiritual sustenance from these pages because this allows you to be a blessed person planted by streams of water. And when you do that, the Bible said, blessed is the man or woman who delights in God's Word. Father in Heaven, thank you so much for your Word. Father, in a, in a chaos-filled culture, a culture and a times where everything is changing, we are so thankful that you never change and your word never changes, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we can have the assurance that if we put our faith and trust in you and that we put our faith and trust in your word, we will never be shaken, that we will always be fruitful, regardless of the season we find ourselves in. And so, Father, for my brothers and sisters here this morning and those who are watching, may we learn to delight in you. Father, forgive us for the times where it was a chore, where it was just duty that drove us to read. But, Father, give us a delight and a passion to read your love letter to us. May it captivate us again. May it saturate us again. May it compel us to repentance, to good works live a life that brings glory and honor to you. Father, if there's anyone here watching who doesn't know you yet, may today be the day where they surrender their lives to you. That they would allow you to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. That today would be the day where they say yes to Jesus and no to this world. Blessed is the man who delights in the word of God. We'll be careful to give you the glory Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.